What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and we're back with episode five. Today, we're joined by Daryl Gendris, CPA. Daryl is the managing director of Green Rush Accounting and Tax. With his decades of experience as an accountant, he's turned his sights now on the cannabis industry. Join us for some interesting conversation today and find out more at greenrushtax.com. Welcome to the show, dude. Thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you, you know, thinking highly of me and, you know, fitting the cool kids uh, mantra. Hey, dude, the industry takes takes uh, expertise from every corner, and the accounting and tax knowledge is something that can be quickly overlooked in business. Oh, yeah, exactly, especially if you do it, you know, trying to do it too quick or not too thorough. Um, you know, my, my, my main thing and, and what I usually say is I just try to help companies maximize their profits by uh, minimizing their liabilities. So it's just, you know... Taking your time, going slow, making sure you're doing the accounting right so there's no surprises when it comes to the end. You know, and there's there's no way to do any shortcuts when it comes to accounting. Is that standard for every every niche or type of yeah. accounting? Yeah. The numbers don't lie. Every every industry, exactly. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> I'm familiar with the double entry or the dual entry accounting that ERP systems use mm-hmm. to track inventory costs and like profit and loss, some things like that. But there's mm-hmm. so much on the accounting piece of those systems that I would come running to folks like you when I was working on, um, I would go looking for my CPA. Right. <laughs> how long has, yeah. how long has Green Rush accounting been operating or how long have you been catering your services to the cannabis industry? Well, I have um, 30 years of um, state and local tax and accounting experience. And in the, uh, I'm, I'm based in Illinois. And I can, uh, and actually my background is um, I can do all verticals in all states, you know, going all the way to like industrial hemp, you know, the beverage side, you know. And then, of course, you know, your typical dispensaries are any kind of plant touching and, and transportation. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, uh, yeah, I've been in Illinois. Illinois has been legal, you know, rec side since 2020. So I started that up, um, in 2019 when they had passed the bill to get it, get it legal. And then once I realized Illinois was moving slow, it's like, you know what, let me make friends across the country and see where, see where it takes me kind of open the doors there. Are there any mm-hmm. states now that you're focusing on or a little heavier involved in outside of Illinois? Or is it still just a general just um, statewide approach? General, uh, multi-state, you know, on the CBD side, almost every state, you know, has, you know, allows the CBD. And then, you know, of course, there's, you know, that recent development with, you know, them saying Delta 9, you know, isn't federally legal and, and all that so it's it's a never-ending um it's or how can i put it it's a constantly evolving um network you know network of issues that you know depending on each state's legislature even the federal side it just continues to change you know by the just ever-changing landscape 
Mm-hmm. How do accountants and folks stay on those trends? Does it really take the research and the like the legwork to look into those regulations or are there ways to stay tapped into changes in the laws or things like that? Yeah, I, I use um, a lot of, uh, I use a couple um, online uh, businesses that, you know, post articles and when you see those things pop in, those quickly spread across, you know, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook of like, you know, hey, look oh, yeah. what's happening. It's like, oh, sort of knew that a couple hours before you did, before you posted, but hey, that's all right, you know, I'm not going to race and make multiple posts. But yeah, fortunately, fortunately there's a lot of um, people that are in the know that turn around and post that stuff. So it just adamant about those changes. Yes. yes. Right. Because it has, um, it usually, you know, it has an impact somehow on most of these companies. So yeah, if you can. Oh, definitely. Right. It. On their bottom line, everything mm-hmm. with taxes is just can be such a concern when you're dealing with shrinking margins or looking to be as, as profitable as you possibly can. Right. You need right. to turn, turn towards everything in the operation to see really where that savings could be or mm-hmm. you know, where maybe some money is, is lost or, or right. is stored that you didn't know about. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. There's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, how you look at different companies books and you're just like, oh, I could do this a little bit better. I could have a little bit better profit or, you know, some of the things don't make sense. It's like, you know, all right, how, how can we help? How can we help improve? You know, and that's, that's the main thing is, you know, as being an accountant and as being a CPA, you know, you're an advocate for the business. You, you want them to maximize their profits while minimizing their liabilities. You don't want to be overly aggressive when it comes to tax law and that. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase 280E and, and that, you know, it's definitely keeping you busy on that on right, that one right yeah it's just interesting the questions you get you know every day or or once a week where i'm like wow that's an interesting perspective but sorry you can't do it because you know you're plan touching and you just can't right good old u.s codes laying mm-hmm. down a, a little bit of red tape but just yeah. enough to to keep things interesting exactly are there are there aspects of the cannabis industry that are perhaps easier to track the finances within or track the accounting or do the different verticals of cannabis like retail, cultivation, manufacturing, do they all have their nuances that make them um, unique for cannabis? Right. Yeah, because there's somewhere there's a lot of. Uh, you know, like the cultivators need a lot of, um, you know, inventory controls and yeah. And, and then would, would they typically track work in progress inventory as their mm-hmm. plants are growing? So they have kind of an estimated cost for weeks mm-hmm. that are or plants that are five weeks old versus 12 or so on. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's key to just do uh, good inventory accounts and just, you know, monitoring everything because you know how everyone staggers their their grow cycles and all that. And it's just, you know, OK, are, are we growing, you, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's um, uh, that is easier said than done. Maybe even assigning those numbers to the value of a plant throughout its life cycle. Is there an approach that you would take to help a cultivator uh, estimate that cost, or, or sorry, estimate that value? Do you look more at their output, like how much weight do we harvest on average per plant, and then use that as the kind of the cost? 
Yeah, yeah, and see, and that's and that's the thing too, because if you look at it, you know, each plant is kind of unique, you know, where it's like, you know, and, and how your, uh, you know, uh, in the indoor grow compared to um, uh, an outdoor grow, you know, can have different. Uh, different material needs or even different resources required there right and then on, on top of that too it's like um you know you're you're looking at it on the on the cultivator side it's like okay how's your lighting is it too humid you know is there too much stress on the plants it's yeah it's it's a science to to try to like maximize that stuff but it's like you know if you can if you can go through a couple grow cycles and if you can see things being consistent then yeah you could you could sort of anticipate what you're seeing. Hmm. So kind of but achieving that consistency is the first challenge before you right. can really accurately track the cost or even project with more confidence. Right. And what I've seen a lot lately is um, companies using barcodes for each plant and just, you know, scanning them so they can count it each month. And, you know, there's... Uh, there's, Some there's gray ways area, see, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's ways you can sort of see, uh, you know, how how can you grow and how are things going? Is this, you know, are are you doing everything right to maximize your yield off of that? Right, right. Are there any systems that you would recommend businesses use to? make sure they're tracking the right costs or the right numbers? I mean, do standard systems like QuickBooks or Sage Intact work for the cannabis industry, or does it require really that extra extra Excel sheets or extra systems or services to track? Uh, you could, you know, there's there's metric out there, there's BioTrack, you know, to, to, to do that. So, I mean, everyone has, um, you know, it, it also depends, too, on the size of your grow. You know, if... Yeah, if you're a small grow, do you really want to invest, you know, deep into, um, you know, uh, an overhead cost, you know, or just to know, track your just to track just it, to right? track yeah. your costs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, or or you know, can you do a simple spreadsheet if you you know if you're small? I mean, there's, and, and that's the thing that's really unique about this industry is it's it's uh, every everyone's like a pioneer, everyone's like a trailblazer you know, in most of these states, you know, that aren't legacy states, you know, these are all in the startup mode and, and that, you know, there's some states that, you know, like here in Illinois, if you have a medical card, you can grow up to five. And, you know, I talked to some friends and they just tell me of what they're pulling out of, you know, what they're five doing. Plants. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, you're, you're getting that much out of, you know, that much flour out of that. That's, you know, you can tell when some of the litigation is created maybe without knowledge of cultivation. They right. don't they don't understand truly five outdoor plants can be monstrous harvests. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, like when I was trying to grow mine and they were indoors and I'm just like, Oh man, this isn't this isn't a green thumb experience for me. Just, oh man. Uh, First trial run didn't go so well? No. No. Nice. No. What um what kind of plants were you were you growing or what strains it was um it was the girl scout um the tasty the cush girl scout one and yeah yeah nice hey it's always a learning curve right you got to yeah. get that first few cycles out of the way yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll get there i'll try i'll try again i just felt bad i went out of town and it wound up being a week trip and yeah uh oh the ladies didn't survive 
No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I felt bad. Yeah, it's. Um, I kind of liken home growing to like keeping a like a saltwater aquarium. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a normal fish where you can just drop some food in there every week. There's a lot more like extra around mm-hmm. it. It can be a really rewarding experience, of course, but um, definitely time consuming. Like a little pet or hobby project. Right, and and I don't know if if um, you know based on where you're at. One of one of my buddies here is. Um, you know, starting to get into mushrooms and that too. So it's interesting seeing, seeing oh, yeah. working on growing that. Cultivating some uh, mushrooms can be interesting as well. The yields can be really high out of a few tubs um, mm-hmm. with the right humidity settings there. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to some hippies in Minnesota that taught me <laughs> how to do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I'm excited to see how those laws spread and kind of how the industries expand. There seems to be this like cannabis entrepreneur and cannabis business trend that now mm-hmm. now they're cannabis and psychedelics entrepreneurs right. or cannabis and mushrooms um, businesses so i think that the innovation there is just right around the corner as all these companies dig in um the and, and, the and interesting really, thing is go ahead no I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i think the really interesting thing is you know now that you're starting to see oregon and colorado you know, legalize the mushrooms. It's like, you know what? Maybe give it six years, you know, four, six years. It, it'll probably, you know, slowly start spreading across the country too, you know. Yeah, I mean, it it's started just these little, these little experiments that are state-specific before mm-hmm. too long, like is as wild as the rest of the country may think they are, have a way of sort of influencing the states around them and, you know, empowering more groups further yeah. away things like that and, there's and also, a and, and also too just trying to break the stigma of everything you, you know that's that's the that's the disappointing thing because you you know you go back you know 20 30 years you know you're talking mushrooms and you know then you see some of these movies and just you know people like losing their mind and, just make it know. so wild and it's right. like as fun as, as fun or really as crazy as it could be there's a totally different level of appreciation or consumership that is actually more therapeutic or you know mm-hmm. helpful for folks not just mm-hmm. fear and loathing in las vegas seeing right. lizard people everywhere <laughs> <laughs> if you find that level you'll see the lizard people but you don't need to go that far <laughs> yeah there's actually a book by nasim nicholas talib mm-hmm. and it's called skin in the game um, mm-hmm. about hidden asymmetries in life he talks about like systems and cultures and how like minorities or small groups of advocates really start to change the majority. I think mm-hmm. that we've seen that happen with the cannabis industry and it's just begun with with the psilocybin like kind of therapy clinics and I even saw a ketamine clinic and just other kind of explorations there and the benefits that um, some of these medicines can have. Mm-hmm. And probably for good reason there. I think there are people perhaps suffering or you know dealing with ailments and things that could be made better or maybe just people that could be a little happier with a a microdose or something like that right and especially too you know getting getting people off of opioids and all that other stuff you know that's that's so yes and other detrimental pharmaceuticals right get on something a little more natural yeah and i think that's how i found my calling of just getting into this and you just look at this going you know there's there's a better way to you know 
self-medicate in, in that. Right. Right. I think that's a, that's the real kind of community approach and like that medicine perspective that, that cannabis brings with it. And that hopefully the psychedelic market will kind of be embracing as well. Mm -hmm. The, the differentiator, I think that I really wonder how the markets will address it is that with cannabis as a regular consumer is buying weekly, you know, mm -hmm. fairly regularly, monthly, maybe if they're slow, but, right. but often, but with psychedelics, it might be hard to have that like regular consumer market. Um, you know, and if you have it, it is only a microdose level, but you're able to cultivate and produce at such quantities and mm -hmm. scale or folks in, even with home grows produce so much that they have to give it away. Mm -hmm. it, I don't know if the market will have that same pop as cannabis really did, right. but right. what do you think about that from your kind of perspective or seeing some of the numbers of the cannabis businesses as well? Yeah, the, the cannabis, well, I mean, I think you see, you know, and we're, we're talking 2023 where it's just, you know, it's it, depending on what part of the state, they're either in a, in a recession and trying to go in survivor mode or you go into some other states where, you know, New York is just opening up and, you know, the, the East Coast is, you know, trying to grow. But if you look back at California, Oregon, you know, they're struggling to survive. You know, a lot of acquisitions and closed shops and reduced right. margins. Huh? Yeah. So it's just it's it's a really I was talking to someone about it last week on a, on a Zoom call. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, um, going through and just, you know, getting distressed assets and that. And I go, but here I am on the other side of uh, the Mississippi River where it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to all these social equity companies, you know, looking for grants and, you know, putting together stuff and looking to invest and looking to grow their company. And I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's a really unique uh, business environment on the cannabis side right It can now. be so different from three states away at this point. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's <laughs> Even the general a, feel for the community where California and its other West Coast maybe are getting a little burned and, mm -hmm. um, and tired of some of the litigation. You know, mm -hmm. states like you mentioned, New York or Missouri, mm -hmm. people are clamoring, you know, they're running to the doors. It's it's business finally. You know, there's right. a, they're happy to have the industry. And it's kind of a, maybe just a necessary evil that as that taxation and litigation gets all cemented, we inevitably go a little too far. And right. hopefully that's the lesson that's being learned now with some of the West Coast states that can just be avoided on the East. Um, mm -hmm. If not, maybe we're in for a kind of a cyclical thing as the <laughs> as the rest of the states kind of get that same oversupply or the same kind of tax issues. And that's where I just try to guide some of, some of the clients I have. It's just like, you know, doing comparisons of you know, like the state and local tax in California compared to, you know, some of the other states of like, you know, with, with California. If you were to set up shop here versus there, those kind right. of conversations. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, before we started, you mentioned that you work with uh, customers very early in their process, even with mm -hmm. their pitch decks. How, mm -hmm. how does that experience differ as an accountant um, helping them project and look at their business model versus coming into maybe clean a little bit mm -hmm. and, and help with their numbers after mm -hmm. the fact. No, I really, I really enjoy doing the pitch decks and especially with the companies that are pre-revenue, 
that's usually the biggest challenge. And you sort of look at what they're putting down on their pitch deck and it's like, you know, okay, you don't have any customers in this, but you say you need X amount of dollars. And then you tell us once you get the X amount of dollars that your first month of revenue, you're going to do like a quarter of a million. Well, yeah. You know, God bless you if you could do that, but that's not the norm. You just can't go, you know, zero to a hundred miles an hour off of, you know, a, a standstill. So it's just, you know, kind of tempering some of that business ambition or that excitement right. from an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. steering them right to, down to more the best realistic, path. Right. To, to a more realistic budget, a more realistic, um, you know, growing your business. Cause I mean, a lot of these businesses, you, you know, you've, you've never, I mean, I, I would say I've probably come across 75% of the the uh, businesses I talk to are just are just starting up because I'm in states that are are just opening up or or just freshly opened or you know typical Illinois and their slow you know political you know bureaucracy it it takes a while to open things up and it's just it's it's slow so you just have to be slow and just you know be realistic put together numbers and then hopefully you know if you're looking at like an investor or like an angel investor if it, if it makes sense, they can look at it. They'll rebuild like the numbers that we put together. And then it's just, you know, it, it's, it's like we're doing right now in our podcast. You know, it's, it's an interview, you know, so, you know, tell me, tell me what you're going to do with the money, you know, because you'd picture it, you know, having a teenage kid saying, Hey, you know, give me a hundred bucks. Okay. Well, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to go and invest it out in an online sports book? Or are you, you know, going out to buy a, a dress shirt for, uh, you know, a, a dance, you know. It's really justifying that ask because in the cannabis mm -hmm. industry, it can be quite an ask for investment, especially cultivation, manufacturing. I, mm -hmm. I imagine even at a baseline, you know, getting over a million and can be required to set up a full facility if you have to do rebuilds right. and, and things like that. Right. And, and especially too, you know, uh, a lot of the social equities are already in it at a disadvantage. So it's like, you know, what, what can you do to, to help them mentor them and, um, you know, just, just work, work behind the scenes with them to, you know, put together good numbers and, and be realistic. Definitely. Yeah. And helping folks out that may not have the, like the resource or the capital to, you know, buy those services can be a serious boon, man. That can mm -hmm. be so helpful and just getting businesses started and allowing them to test their ideas, you know, allowing mm -hmm. that dream to, to go down the road a little further mm -hmm. and uh, a little safer, right? Putting that accounting and tax seatbelt on, making sure right. they're not projecting wild numbers. Right. And it's, and it's good too, because they enjoy, you know, learning about their businesses and that. And it's like, okay, are they, you know, are they really serious or is it, you know, like something where it's just like totally off the wall? So, I mean, I, the the ones where I can really understand, you know, they're passionate, but but they're bringing <laughs> something to market that isn't out there. Uh, actually, um, bringing that unique service or mm -hmm, other angle or product or or whatnot. Those are the ones that yeah, I'll stand behind you. And you know what? If I have to sacrifice a couple hours of my time, that's fine. Let's let's see if you grow and if you guys take off, I'm just gonna ride alongside you. You know, that's, right? That's just partner and make it work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I definitely like that approach for uh, services in the cannabis industry as I think there's so many like 
nuances and little situational things with the with diff, whether it be business owners or internal politics or state federal issues uh, it's something where once you find good partners you kind of want to hang on to them i think right. similar to how the cannabis industry worked before legalization you know people mm-hmm. banded together and mm-hmm. there was a lot of trust and kind of community and camaraderie there even though there was uh, other aspects maybe that weren't so great right and, and that's and that's the best part too is if you get in early with these you know if if they can survive a year and and then they really start start getting their feet underneath them and start growing and you know that then it's it's great then you just ride along forever you know you you've you've made a new family member you know you're part of their family <laughs> and and so on and you know here we go right right how how long after starting a business our business is planning to be profitable in the cannabis industry i think that's obviously a very broad question but right. is there maybe an average that you would temper somebody with you know like hey take it easy these first six months are going to be getting out of the red or the first year even yeah that's that's where we sit down and go through it's it's it, we do like what's called pro forma statements and just put out you know what do we think we're going to estimate revenue to be you know it's it's sort of like a you know budgets are set in stone pro formas you can change and it's just you know hey let's put these numbers together let's look at it but you know what if you want to tweak them up or down that's going to tweak up or down you know your your profitability or you know hey do i need to reduce some of my expenses you know you don't want to lose any headcount you know you want to keep all your employees in there and and that you know depending on you know like if you're a dispensary you know you're going to need you know at least you know two customer service people greeting you at the door you know, and have, you know, four bud tenders out there and someone else floating around. So, you know, you're always going to have at least, you know, probably eight people on the floor. But it's it's like the same thing, too. Like when you're growing, you know, you're going to have to trim, you know, almost every, you know, go through every plant, you know, go through a cycle. And it's just the employees are the key. So how can we, if if we're going to struggle, where can we, you know, take some of the expenses off? In, in that. I see. Without impacting those folks that are doing the work and the, really the, creating that service or quality. Right. Yeah. Because you always need those, and you don't. You know, especially nowadays. I, I think if you can, it's it's totally different when, you know, twenty thirty years when when I was growing up. You know, you. <laughs> I think I found like one of my pay stubs. I think I was getting paid like seven dollars an hour. You know, nowadays. What, what know, kind you, of work was that? It was just, you know, uh, like an internal auditor at a bank or just, you know, temporary accounting, you know. Yeah. It's come a long way then, what the inflation and uh, what all of that has been. I think one of the first jobs I had was $6.25 an hour Mm -hmm. at a lumber yard where I would go and pull the, like, two-by-fours and Mm -hmm. bags of cement for people. I was working hard, man. Six dollars right. an hour, <laughs> yeah. a dollar a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the best thing is that was probably you didn't even have to go to the gym. You're throwing enough weight around, you know. That <laughs> was definitely a physical one. Getting your workout <laughs> in. And now, and at this point, um, consulting services can be astronomical at times, and that's where mm-hmm. again I think having that social equity angle or being able to bring that expertise and make it available right. at every level is is invaluable there for the industry and kind of getting getting it started on the right foot right not starting with 
right. too corporate or too mm -hmm. uh, traditional kind of business. And that's, and that's the thing, too. The way I look at it is with all the experience I've gathered, you know, over, you know, almost three decades, give back. Give back to these people because, you know what, where was I 30 years ago? I was just starting out, too. And, you know, I had some people help help guide me and all this other stuff. And I just look at it as, you know, hey, I want to just give back and just help. Yeah, totally. There's that intrinsic value there, just uh, seeing those projects succeed or seeing the value others can get there. Mm -hmm. Especially with a honed skill, you know, doing something for so long, it may mm -hmm. not feel that important. But if the if the skill is that valuable, man, it's uh, it can be useful. On the accounting side, I've been building cannabis software for the last four or five years, mm -hmm. and only a few software companies or services have really tried to cross that bridge into the accounting world. Mm -hmm. Some of them already have the backbone like Microsoft Dynamics Nav or established mm -hmm. chart of accounts and general ledger features, mm -hmm. but other apps are sort of home-built. They're, they're coming up from the ground. Do you have any advice for software companies or for services that are trying to bridge that accounting gap? Or do you think it's something that still lies best in the accounting realm? Maybe that shouldn't be included in software? No, I, I, think, I think always be, never take no for an answer. And just like, you know what? Hey, let's see what the best practices are that some of, some of my competitors are doing. Can I blend that in, but could I make my product better than my competitors? So it's, it's, it's just an interesting perspective. It's like, you know, and then if you become successful enough, then yeah, one of those larger, you know, my, you know, the equivalent of Microsoft or whomever, you know, Google or whatever, if your product's good enough, they'll come on by and just acquire it and just, you know, import <laughs> it into their products. Right, right. So the... The innovation, the room for innovation, is potentially still there for, oh, from an accounting perspective. In in everything, in in my opinion, in in everything, you know, oh, never, awesome. yeah. never, never give in or, or or give up. You know, just say, okay, what what can I offer that my competitors don't have? You know, on the software side. Try and find that differentiator, right? Yeah, you you might already have it in your mind. You know, it might already <laughs> be on a whiteboard. You know. Right. Like been, like, yeah, I don't see this, so let's try this. Definitely, yeah. Once you've seen enough businesses or enough examples in the same mm -hmm. industry, I think you are quickly able to read between the lines. And I can't mm -hmm. imagine the lens that you have as an accountant to really look at the paperwork and read through the lines. Um, right. You know, someone can give you the story of their business, or they could provide the paperwork and the financial details. And I think it's it feels like a, a magic craft to be able to discern that insight from the reports and from those uh, statements. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would say it's more of like, you know, the hundred piece puzzle or maybe like a thousand piece puzzle box, you know, just dump out all the paperwork, put the puzzle <laughs> so together. So it's not necessarily this nice stack of paper. It's a <laughs> shoebox or yeah. just, you know, hey, here's all my receipts or hey, here's a report here. Help me out. There's always, you got to start somewhere, right, to learn that um, better accounting practices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's, awesome. it's, it's good times. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy this industry. I enjoy, you know, how friendly it is. I mean, it's 
totally different than anything I've seen before once I got in. And before cannabis, you were doing accounting for kind of all industries or was there another nature focus? It was all, it was all non-canna, non-canna, just, you know, you name the industry. I did all industries, all states. Oh, awesome. So I've seen a lot of stuff. You know, I, I don't know if you were at MJ Biz last year. I was yeah. I, I was the one geeking out on the second floor at all the stainless steel and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, manufacturing. <laughs> I know this stuff. Let, let's talk about how you you know, how you're doing your extraction and, and all this other stuff or how you're doing your uh, packaging up your flour and, and that. Those were that's what right. I was geeking out on. Man, wasn't BizCon crazy this year? It was, was just not. huge. This was the first year with double floors for mm-hmm. folks who haven't been. Uh, MJ BizCon's the annual B2B cannabis conference in Vegas. And it is just massive. You could have probably wandered that floor this last year for most of the day without yeah. backtracking. <laughs> Shoot. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even make it all the way through. And I was there for, for every day. I never made it to the, <laughs> to the end because as soon as you walked in... It was as far as you could see before you could get to the end of it. And then they're at the second floor. Really something else there, yeah. Was um, Are there other business conferences that you were going to here for cannabis? I know I saw you spoke at Canacon last right. year. Yeah, I spoke at Canacon last year. Um, I'm going to try my best to see if I can speak at um, the cannabis conference in Vegas. Um, I'm oh, also I really like that conference too. Yeah, it's yeah, been I mean, very like scientifically minded, or it brings a lot of uh, kind of analytical insight to the industry, and not a lot of brand and packaging mm-hmm. uh, advertisements. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was enjoying that too. I enjoyed sitting through a lot of the cultivation classes because I oh, really wanted both, to, I wanted to learn more and more about about the plant and and all that other stuff and it's just you know it's it's incredible because you know like you said part of part of the cultivations the accounting side of that too and just you know the, you, you know your inventory and just monitoring the plants and and everything right and everything that goes in to really create that inventory is like one big manufacturing bill of materials mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. crazy multi-week bomb <laughs> right right and that was, was you know and just walk on the floor at MJ Biz, you could see all the different kinds of vendors, and a lot of them were, you know, focused on cultivation and all that. It's yeah, that I'm looking forward to next year, and looking forward to meeting you in person at one of these conferences. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm sure we'll cross paths here in a, a con coming up. I'm going to Lucky Leaf, Kansas City, here towards the end of the month, nice. and a few other Lucky Leafs this year. But then I'll definitely be a cannabis conference in Vegas and MJ. Mm-hmm. But man, their conferences are springing up almost faster than you could right. travel to them. It's it's wonderful to see them focused on different regions and mm-hmm. have the same industries there. Yeah, yeah, because I'll be yeah. out at um, in uh, D.C. for the National Cannabis Festival. You know, towards the end of uh, April after four twenty that weekend. Oh, after. awesome! Talk yeah, I, I need to, I need to add that one to the map as well. There's so much to so much to be aware of in this industry right now. It seems yeah. like if you were willing to, you could be on the road almost yeah. constantly. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Just making yeah. making new friends. Definitely, yeah. Well, thank you, man, for jumping on the show today yeah. and, and talking shop. I think that uh, there's plenty to be said more about accounting and the, mm-hmm. the tax necessities for cannabis businesses. And I think we're we're grateful to have folks like you and, and companies like Green Rush providing that for the industry. Yeah. Um, where can folks 
contact you or um, reach out about your services and accounting and tax knowledge? Yeah, I have a website. It's uh, greenrushtax.com. And then you can always uh, email me at daryl at greenrushtax.com. Yeah. And I, Excellent. I always, I always turn around my emails as quick as I can and, and all that. So, yeah, just just interested in learning more about, you know, everyone trying to start up and the ones that have been established, you know, keep in touch. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show and our range of services, visit apt113.com. We offer certified ganjier services, cannabis operations, and agile product management for software development. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.